This is the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. And we're underway middle of August already. The Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. Good morning, Bob. Well, good morning, Dave. It is mid-August. Kind of shocking how fast the summer season goes by for us, isn't it? All of the summers go by fast. I'm not sure why, but uh, (laughs) even faster as we get older, but they, they always go by fast. Seems like it. I think uh, you got to just enjoy every single yeah. moment. I mean, I get up early, and I notice our son is uh, getting up a little bit uh, later every day. The day is mm-hmm. getting a little bit shorter, but nonetheless, uh, the weather right now is gorgeous, so you just have to really enjoy it. The only Good thing we need, I guess, is a, is a little more rain. We do. We definitely do. Now, some people are listening to this, particularly farther north, mm-hmm. and I had a good chance to visit with some of our growers yesterday in the northern part of St. Louis County, Ely and Hibbing, and many of them have had a different season than ours entirely around the Great Lakes. Uh, you know, Duluth Superior area, they've had lots of rain and have a little trouble getting some hay up and other things, but nonetheless, uh, it's everyone's weather patterns are just a little bit different, and even, you know, within your own community, uh, your neighbor can get rain showers. Boy, we've seen these pop-up showers where you can see the rain coming up to the north and the south and you're sitting there dry so we could all use just a little bit more moisture uh we're fortunate that the evening temperatures have been a little cooler that tends to really dry things out uh, because you don't have the sun up to photosynthesize and and create sugars for you at night so you can burn plants out a little bit so we've had a little bit cooler weather in the evenings and that uh, as always is is beneficial for us Dave but Things are coming along. We're coming into, I hate, do I dare say it, but uh, early fall, you could kind of feel a little bit of that snap in the air as uh, things get a little bit cooler. And for me, that you know, that's always kind of an indication that we want to look ahead. And I always have to make notes to myself because there's so many things uh, on my list of things that I like to get done outdoors in the garden. And uh, right now we want to think a little bit about uh, if they're perennial plants that you want to plant, whether it be a woody perennial like an apple tree, uh, early fall is when we want to get these in, trees and shrubs. Actually, it's not such a bad time. Uh, many of our local trees, uh, they don't want to overwinter a lot of this material. They'd rather get it out and to you and so you can put it in the ground where it overwinters better. But late planting is more challenging. We really want to get uh, uh, some of these materials to transplant so well in the early fall. We really want to get them well established before uh, the severe cold weather comes in. You know, you recall, Dave, we had uh, all that snow last year, so we were blessed uh, that way. We got the snow early. I don't know if we were blessed by our snow, but nonetheless, the fact <laughs> that it came early and it protected everything that was in the ground, that was extremely beneficial. We had a nice snow melt early. We got dry after that, and actually it was that snow melt early if, that saved a lot of our crops and pasture land because uh, we had a reservoir of moisture down there. If, if, in fact, we had an open winter where we didn't have the snow and then got that cold penetration, a lot of uh, frost in the ground, a lot of that would have run off and it would have made this year even more challenging. So, anyway, we're coming into the fall here. It's getting cooler at night. It's a great time to think about putting uh, all perennial materials, planting. Uh, that can be our ornamentals. So you want to put in... Uh, Pollinator garden has been so much interest in pollinators and all the beauty that comes from flowering perennials, herbaceous flowering perennials, not woodies, but uh, these can go in right now, and we've got some beautiful material out there. It's a great time to divide some of this material. And then uh, trees and shrubs, of course. So you may want to line that up. You may want to think a little bit about uh, what you'd like to get in the ground next year because you will be rewarded next spring if you do some of this prep work now in the fall days. 
Uh, well, let's see. We are 3.88 inches below normal for precipitation. That's since January, despite that uh, above-normal snowfall. We're way down as far as precipitation goes for the year. And, boy, we got some hot weather coming again, Bob. It'll be mid-80s today and tomorrow, cooling off a bit on Thursday. But then the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday looks like we're going to be hot again. With highs around oh. 90 on Saturday and upper 80s on Sunday. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> I guess uh, there's, there is definitely some summer weather. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of aware that we're, at least where I'm growing, we are still deficient in moisture. <laughs> uh, but 3.88 inches, I didn't really realize we were that far under. Yeah. Other people are saying well, that my situation right. <laughs> because this, this has been spotty and those are... Yeah. I'm assuming records from the Duluth Airport. Is that uh, right. their assumption right. there? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that uh, everyone's going to be just a little different. I actually think we're a little drier than that uh, some of the places. So it's been good for crops if you had a little irrigation, and right. maybe we should do a little something on trickle irrigation at some point because I think maybe going forward we're going to have these real unusual weather patterns. And uh, we use a fair amount of trickle just to keep things going. That that would enable us to get the a lot of good crops out. The nice thing was hot and dry with irrigation or with more, with uh, some kind of supplemental water. And uh, we had crops that came in uh, quite early, a lot of them. Others, uh, surprisingly, tomato crops just lagging a little bit. I'm not sure exactly what that is. I know we're hearing that from a lot of people. We're getting tomatoes, but uh, a little slower this year. Uh, everyone likes them. Sweet corn's beginning to come in, so that's, uh, that's good. And uh, if we had the moisture there, we were in good shape there. So all in all, it's like uh, so many years, uh, it's been a good growing season uh, overall. And mm-hmm. a little dry, uh, other things to contend with, some insect issues to contend with. But overall, you can look at our landscapes. Uh, we're pretty lush. We're pretty green. A lot of our perennial trees and shrubs that have got good established root systems seem to be doing pretty well. Seeing first little hint of uh, color in some of the maples, which always is, uh, you know, it's one of those uh, mixed blessings. You know what's coming, but uh, also the beauty uh, of some of the maples that uh, will be coming to us soon. So, coming early fall, lots of things to think about. Uh, first, you want to enjoy the harvest that you got uh, in your garden. I hope people have got uh, some good results in the vegetable gardens. Tremendous amount of interest in better nutrition now. And uh, we're fortunate because. So many of the plant breeders also uh, detect this interest, so we've got a lot of new introductions, nutrient-dense veggies out there, lots of color. I think about our uh, color, colorful, colorful crop a few years ago. We were just growing white cauliflower. There wasn't that much interest. Uh, now we've got uh, some beautiful purples, some beautiful uh, crotinoids. Uh, these are the yellow cheddar varieties that are, are really quite magnificent. So. The breeders, I think, are conscious these are more nutrient-dense because of that color. It's a pretty good indication. So we've got a a lot of things going on right now, and I I certainly hope people can take advantage of uh, either their own produce or get out to a farmer's market and pick something up because uh, everything is fresh right now, and there's there's nothing really uh, that can compare with good, fresh, locally grown products. Let's uh, head to the phone this morning. Bob, hi, who's this? Uh, Dan Learn. That's... The other half of Dan and Pat from South Range here. <laughs> All right, Dan, go ahead. Oh, that's great. Hey, Dan, i got to well, say gotta... hello. Uh, we always appreciate uh, Pat's comment. And, we, you know, we both grow with some of the Lake Superior effect, where I understand you were pretty dry as well, where your neighbors to the north and south were getting plenty of rain. Is that correct? 
That is 100% right. We just got passed over every time. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. So I've been water. I am tired of watering if you want to know the truth. But yeah, yeah I got to. I share that. I pulled, I pulled more hose this year than I think I ever have in the past. I had to buy more hose. And <laughs> so we, we share that. Sure. And uh, <laughs> I know what, uh, like I say, misery loves company. And you got some company there, Dan. <laughs> well, I knew I did. I knew I did. Yeah, I got a couple of questions I'd like to ask. One is, now, I cut back my tomatoes and did everything, and, oh, my God, my tomatoes are absolutely marvelous. But is there comes a point where I need to start just taking all of them that are blossoming now? Because they're still blossoming, and do I? is there a point where you just quit cutting or cut the blossoms off and no, don't make any more tomatoes? Oh, yes, and I think that time is right now. I think that all, right. uh, all, blo- all blossoms at this point, we could still set fruit, but uh, we're not going to get a chance of it maturing and uh, certainly ripening. So I think at a minimum, all the blossoms can come off if you're willing to spend the time doing that. I think uh, that's a good idea. You really want the energy for the plant to go into, into enlarging and ripening the existing fruit that's on the plant. You don't want to spend any additional plant energy on the blossoms. So I think you can do that, and if you've got, uh, how does the foliage look, being a little drier? Now, you did water, of course, so you've got Oh, no, I've been watering the heck out of them. The the fruit looks absolutely marvelous, and I've got it opened up enough now where my plants were about six foot high by six foot wide. It was like, oh, I got it, but they were monsters. So, But anyway, I've opened it up so the sun can get to them. That's great. That's a great idea there, too. Just uh, the one thing that you do not want to do is you do not want to cut so much foliage off the top that you sun scald the fruit. So, you you know, you want a little right. bit of partial shade. You want to take some of that off. But uh, some of the fruit that's totally exposed, uh, we can get a little sun scald, particularly with these kind of forecasts we got coming up. And particularly this, uh, we're still relatively early in the season. So cut back the foliage, but uh, be a little careful and not don't scalp it. Perfect. Uh, okay, thank you. And then I got a squash question. I have tried to. Okay. I went online. I have looked all over trying to figure this out. Now my squash has done the same thing. It it kind of goes nuts. I planted in compost bins. I got four bins, and then I just flop it over. And the last three bins I plant out of, and I put my squash in there because then it doesn't is in my garden taking up all my room. Well, anyway, I've got these squash plants, and they are from my compost. They go out about. 25 feet both directions. I mean, these things are just unbelievable. They're all, it saved me a lot of mowing, Bob, I'll tell you. uh, (laughs) That is a good idea. Well, it's just all over. But the fruit that it's setting right now, I have got, these vines are out like 15, 20 feet from where they're planted. And right out to the end, I've got all these two, some of them are three inch squash that are growing. And they're like every 18 inches apart. And now, how do you cut back a squash, or do you just let squash go and wait till the end, or do I pick blossoms off, or I just don't know what to do with them? Yeah, I, I, I know. I, you know, the plant, you can just let them go if you got the space. The plants can pretty much determine, um, you know, what will ripen and what won't. Uh, I've done it with tomatoes. I've, I, I obviously so I don't need to pick blossoms. fruit off. I don't need to pick them or anything. Huh? I just leave them go, and what I get in the fall, I get. You know, I think uh, you. I'm assuming you've got good fruit set on most of the plants, so there's a lot of fruit out there. Is that right? 
in in terms oh, of the uh, yeah. natural squash. You know, yeah, I got a ton I, of I think right. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, we're again not going to mature some of this. You could cut them back, but I've just let them go and haven't, uh, you know, there's always been plenty of fruit and it hasn't typically been a ripening process. Uh, summer, winter squash, what what have you got here? Both A little bit of both running. I'm assuming they're probably winter squash. Well, I got a carnival. I've got buttercup. I've got some butterscotch and I've got some honey nut. Okay. So I got four I'll different ones that I got out here. Right. Do you like that little honey nut? It's a little bit, uh, a little bit smaller, but it, uh, it's a pretty nice butternut, and uh, yeah. sweetens okay. up pretty nice. Yeah. I, I, I think I wouldn't worry about them. I, I think if you have time, you can cut some of the far ends. You can take some of the blossoms off, but I don't think that's going to be quite as critical as it is with your tomatoes. You can just let them run if you like, and if you got the space. I love it. Thank you. Well, I've been looking at them. <laughs> really? I just know I got to do something, and you are the guy, so I. <laughs> I thank you. You saved well, me a lot of work. I'll take some. I, I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy you and your uh, your wife and the family that uh, just really participates in this great hobby called uh, vegetable gardening. Uh, some good eating coming, wouldn't you agree? Oh yes, hundred percent. I can't wait for my corn 100%. that you were talking about. It looks marvelous <laughs> right now. But, so it's, it's coming. If we had the water. That's that's the other side of it. Bright sun, warmer temperatures, and we're coming along here pretty faster with a forecast. And get a little water out to it. Uh, it's been a pretty good growing year for sure, Dan. I've been watering pretty good on the garden. It's it's looking Great. pretty darn nice. I'm I'm real happy Great. with what I got, but. Uh, I love all your answers. I seriously, I have called you with her. Well, I always have pack calls. She says, "No, you call them. I don't know what you want with squash." <laughs> it's great. It, so, it takes a team right. to get this done, and uh, I think that's wonderful. Uh, a lot of people, your whole family has a lot of interest, and that's that's a lot of fun for right. sure. Thanks a lot for the Good call. We gotta take a break, Bob. It is nine thirty-one. The Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. And we're back, more of the Bob Olin Show. Bob, you were talking about different colors now for cauliflower instead of just the white. Is it a different taste, too, or do they all taste the same? Well, you know, I think uh, taste is kind of a subjective thing, <laughs> and um, I think they taste like cauliflower, to okay. be completely honest yeah. with you. But other folks uh, other folks claim that some of the, uh, the yellow-orange varieties are a little creamier, and I don't know if that's perception or not, and, uh, but I think for the most part they taste about like cauliflower. But All right. they're you know they tend to retain their their color even when you do steam them. And there's so many things mm. people are doing with cauliflower now. It's been a substitute. Uh, you know, it's obviously um, it's low low glycemic. In other words, it's uh, the the sugars aren't there. People are substituting for any kind of a gluten-based, uh, wheat-based product, so they're using uh, cauliflower for that. Right. Raw in the salads, I mean, some of these uh, colors are, are very beautiful when they add to a salad. So there's there's something, you know, and we're mm-hmm. we're using a lot of, uh, people are using a lot of things more raw. Now, it's kind of interesting. In, in many cases, you do retain more nutrient value of most nutrients when you serve them raw, as opposed to being uh, cooked or steamed. But... Um, some crops, like the tomatoes we've been talking about, uh, and some of the uh, components of tomatoes are actually enhanced by that heating process. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because I guess one size doesn't fit 
all, but generally a raw product uh, retains a lot of the less stable vitamins. Vitamin C, as an example, uh, is less stable, and that you're going to get more of that if you serve uh, veggies raw. But I think people get concerned, should I steam it? Should I serve it raw? Uh, where am I going to get most of the veggies? I don't really think that's the big issue. I think the big issue is getting the veggies and consuming the veggies regardless of how you uh, how you prefer to have them prepared. So you're going to get a great nutrient content anyway. You know, one of the real uh, selling points of the colored color flower is just that uh, they are, they contain more of the antioxidants and the pigments, but the flower in general is so uh, wonderfully nutritious anyway. Matter of fact, that whole group in the cabbage family, which grows so well for us in the Northland, because we have a little bit cooler climate, they don't break apart quite as fast, we can get a real nice fall crop out of uh, so many of these, whether it's broccoli or cabbage or Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, even our kales are in that group. Uh, very, very nutritious group, and it's a group that we can certainly grow. Uh, eat it raw in your salads, uh, steaming it. A lot of them are being uh, roasted now, so they get good flavors uh, various ways. So I, I think uh, a little bit on prep, a little bit of time spent on preparation and uh, reorienting our taste buds away from salt, sugar, and fat, which has been the mainstay of a lot of the process for getting back to some of the natural uh, flavors is really where you want to go, and you'll pick up this wonderful nutrition in the process, Dave. Yeah, speaking of colorful vegetables, I guess you got your potatoes different colors now, too. You have brought in some purple potatoes at one point. Oh, yes. Uh, we grow quite a few of those, and uh, uh, initially they were just intriguing and fun to grow, but <laughs> once again, uh, you get that uh, you get that the nutrient density that All comes right. from the potato crop. Potato crops come along pretty nicely, too. Uh, depending on the moisture level, it's mm-hmm. been delayed maybe a little bit if you didn't have irrigation, but uh, nonetheless, and people will ask, uh, when can I start harvesting? Uh, as a rule of thumb, when you begin to see flowering on the upper portion of the plant, uh, that's an indication that you've got the tubers that are being set. And, of course, there's nothing like the real thin-skinned new potatoes. Uh, they're uh-huh. wonderful. They don't stay new very long. They get larger and <laughs> And yield higher, but uh, nonetheless, you can start pulling some of those out from your your potato plants, and uh, they're they're ready to go at this point. So everything's coming along pretty nicely here, Dave. All right, we'll take another break and be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show. It is nine thirty nine on a Tuesday morning. More of the Bob Olin Show here on a Tuesday, the 15th of August already. Bob, if uh, people don't have the time or, I guess, the space for a garden of their own, there's always the farmer's market to stop by uh, tomorrow and again on Saturday. Uh, that's right, and the, the crops are really beginning to come uh-huh. in. And, uh, you know, the benches are full now, and things are really beginning to roll. So uh, the Duluth Farmer's Market, you know, the original market in Duluth, when every, you know, way back when that was uh, founded in 1908, uh, wow. everything was local. We weren't transporting a lot of things around. So now, of course, everything is global. And uh, I think, again, there's a really good reason to stay local. And whether it's your local farmer's market or whether it's uh, your backyard garden, you know what's going on there, and you, you know how how the quality of the products very nice and fresh and things are being moved around the world oftentimes they've got different techniques of trying to preserve these things and i think of the garlic crops so much of it that comes in from china now a little concerned about some of the some of what comes in from overseas where if we can stay local domestic i think you've got better assurance that uh, that product's going to be fresher and and really uh high high quality so as close to home as you can stay with a lot of your product i think it's uh really well uh, certainly well advised 
So we do have uh, Moose Farmers Market, of course, that's Wednesday afternoons, 2 to 5. Great time to shop on Wednesdays. Plenty of room to park. Um, and, uh, you know, there's been a, a harvest window here about four days since a lot of our growers have been harvesting prior to the Saturday market. So they've got all this time. they got a lot of products. So it's actually a very good time to be shopping, 2 to 5. And a uh, big rush at 2 o'clock, but certainly at 3 o'clock is a great time. <laughs> or right after work, uh, you want to pick up something that's fresh for the dinner that evening, uh, 14th Avenue, East and Third Street, great time to shop. And then, of course, on Saturday, we're having so much fun. The families that are coming out is just really incredible. Uh, we do have a, t- a $2 uh, token for any uh, youth from infancy through uh, 18 that can uh, certainly take advantage of that. Spend it on eight produce. We're trying to encourage uh, young people to improve their diets and develop those taste buds and uh, for some of the really fresh, locally grown products. So that's working really well. Families are coming down. It's a nice, festive environment. We're going to have a great uh, great time both Wednesday and, and Saturday. It's just a fun community uh, type of a event for sure, Dave. A uh, little early, I guess, for tomatoes and corn, obviously. What's the, what's the hot item going out of the farmer's market now? Well, tomatoes and corn are coming slowly, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they're they're coming. And um, so there is some of that available, but uh, right now, uh, certainly in abundance, I mentioned the uh, cabbage family, the uh-huh. cucumbers, the pickling cukes. Uh, if you want to pickle with your family, so many people are doing that. And now they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're bringing back some of the old skills, These are kind of the simple pleasures a lot of people really are, are pickling. Uh, certainly the beet crop's been very good. The carrots are coming in. So there's, there's just an abundance of everything. A lot of our growers kind of specialize in herbs and greens, too. So uh, those crops that are very nutritious are, are certainly coming in. So there's an awful lot out there that right now, and the, the benches certainly are full, and our, our growers have done a good job of uh, of getting product out, even with some of the adverse conditions that they've faced this year. So all local and uh, fresh, and it's, it's also just a fun and festive uh place to uh, do a little bit of your shopping for sure. Yeah, depending upon where you are you're a little short on the uh, precipitation this year. You were mentioning uh, uh, the soakers. How does that work? Well, yeah, I think, and uh, you know, we're we're fortunate we've been blessed. We've got the water supply, although water is a precious commodity everywhere throughout the world right now. And actually a lot of the uh, soaker or or trickle irrigations, they're they're just, you'll put... uh, hoses down of different types of permeable hose or uh, plastic thing that's been uh, perforated at certain intervals so that you can trickle in small amounts of irrigation. It, it has the um, the advantage of getting that water and we talked a little bit of caller there from uh, over in Wisconsin. Dad mentioned that he's been doing a lot of water and we want to be a little conscious and careful. You want to get that water down uh, off the foliage. It can lead to fungal disease. Uh, we really don't want to overwater. Now, that's uh, that's something that uh, I've observed. I was out and watched one grower. He was so pleased. He'd uh, come over the top and watered almost daily, and I could see where there were the crops were nutrient deficient. In other words, all these nutrients are soluble, meaning they have to be a solution for the plant to pick it up, but you can also flush them out of the root zone. So there is such a thing as uh, too much water. So you have to be a little careful that way. And uh, in a nice kind of way, I try to caution them that I I could see the the nutrient deficiency where he flushed everything out. So you've got to be a little conscious. Uh, Use your index finger. If it's dry an inch down, then let's get some water on there. 
uh, water thoroughly uh, maybe every three or four days if it's real dry or weekly other than that and then it depends on your soil and your organic level and and uh, how much water retention and what the temperatures night and day have been so there are a lot of variables so i just tell people yeah yes you need water but you can also have uh too much of a of a very good thing if you get wearing a lot of the foliage, we can run into a lot of disease issues as well. So we want to be conscious and careful. The nice thing about uh, perforated uh, tubes or some type of uh, irrigation, trickle irrigation system is uh, you get all that water, you don't get too much, you get it bleeding in very slowly so the soil can absorb it, you don't have any runoff. And then uh, yeah, you certainly are keeping the foliage dry because you're watering right at the base of the plant going right down in the roots where it needs it. So. A lot of that technology is kind of interesting. Have been has been developed in more arid parts of the world. I think the Israelis uh, did a great deal of work initially because water was at such a premium there, and a lot of their water was actually de- desalinated from the ocean. When that gets extremely expensive, so uh, I've been very conscious of moisture and water conservation. And I think all of us uh, really need to pay a little bit more attention to that going forward because water is a very precious commodity, very essential to uh, all uh, growth and uh, food production throughout the world, for sure, Dave. So you can point. make your uh, own uh, your own uh, trickle-down hose, too, just by poking holes in an old hole. <laughs> that always yeah, works. I, I, got, I got a little bit of that, yeah. that, too, going, where you got leaks that you'd rather not have. And, uh, so you got to be Just a add a few more leaks in your set. I would not recommend... I would not recommend a nail and a hammer for perforating <laughs> your... your uh, Irrigation holes, uh, right. kind of micro slits that are made there. <laughs> you don't want you don't want too much of a good thing. That's more than an ooze coming out there. It could be kind of a flood as well. All right, we'll take another break and be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show, nine fifty on a Tuesday morning. All righty, we're back with the final portion of the Bob Olin Show. Bob looks like the weather is going to be uh, kind of hot here for the uh, middle of the week cooling off again towards the end of the week, but then a hot weekend. So uh, we might be in the dog days here. I think. <laughs> is that what yeah, they call I it? Complain about <laughs> I do. Yeah, I guess they do. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's a good term there. Actually, I <laughs> even though I work out in it, sometimes it gets a little bit too warm. But ah. I never complain about the heat. We know it's coming, don't we? Well, this is true. <laughs> this is very true. So I just uh, I just uh, learned to enjoy it one way or the other. So we do have some heat coming. That's going to ripen things more. Uh, well, yeah. Talking about that, ripening their tomatoes and so forth. We need some of these temperatures. Uh, so I think uh, that's all going to be very, very helpful. Once again, we're coming in, believe it or not, kind of an early fall. So you want to think a little bit about a couple of things. I mentioned uh, planting some of the uh, perennial material. Good time to do it now. Uh, get that started. We've got this window from about August 15th to September 15th. We really like to get it done in that time frame so that they have a good chance of getting established uh, coming into the winter weather. So you want to think about that. I think also you might want to plan ahead uh, for next spring if you want to to put in some crops and you've a weedy area or a grassy area, you want to do that prep now here in the early fall. It makes a huge difference. You can get all the weeds out. You can cover if you like so they can't get any, or you can use some kind of other product to, to get that weedy area out and for next spring. A lot of people decide in the spring, oh, I'd like to expand my garden, and then you've got all this grass to deal with and things, which you can do, but that really means a, a lot of digging. So thinking a little bit about maybe I want to put in a raspberry patch. Well, you're going to plant those next spring. The plants themselves, 
but you want to prep it right now. So taking a soil test is a good idea. Getting all those weeds out of there is a good idea. Uh, remove that right now, and then you'll be ready for next spring. Um, you know, moving iris and planting iris, a little more time we could talk about that. Great, easy to grow perennial plant has an underground rhizome those we want to move right now to get established before the winter peonies yeah, iris and peonies are the two big flowering perennials i think about that really need to be done at this time of year one of the other material can be moved right now these are the what we call a flowering or herbaceous uh, perennial material but spring is oftentimes the best and easiest time to plant some of these things but iris and peonies like to go in the fall we like to get them established uh, prior to the winter so think a little bit about that uh, bulbs, says you're going to lay a lot of advertisements for spring flowering bulbs with the crocus and the tulips and narcissus. These are all going to be uh, flowering in the spring. They go in in the fall, but they don't go in in the early fall. So put that on the back burner. Uh, we got a great uh, St. Louis County Master Gardener bulb sale coming up on October 7th. They're going to specialize in that. We'll give you more details on that before. That's time to get your bulbs and get them in the ground in October uh, the same thing if you want to plant some garlic. If you got garlic, let's get it out of the ground right now. We don't want them sitting in the ground at this point. We want those bulbs drying down, and then we'll be replanting again about uh, mid-October there. So there are many things to do. Uh, there's lots of activity. I think this is all, you know, very, very uh, healthy for people. I've listened to some of your your uh, health uh advisories out there i got a little bit more uh covid going around another strain uh, not nearly as severe and that's been in the news keeping the immune system up is a big deal so i think getting out there the vitamin d you get from sunshine uh the benefits to your immune system from a good diet loaded with a lot of these nutrient-rich vegetables i think a little bit about that the best you can do is uh, keeping yourself as healthy as possible and in gardening and then using the produce uh and uh, buying locally uh, for quality product. These are all important, I really think, for maintaining your immune system and your good health. That's about uh, certainly what we can do as individuals, and all of us kind of have to remind ourselves that this gardening activity is is very good for, for all of us in general. Dave. Yep, the sunshine is good for you, obviously, the vitamin D, but you got to be careful with uh, sunburn, too, so make sure you put on the old sunblock and maybe a big old floppy hat. I think that's good, and uh, I follow that. Actually, I work in long sleeve, very light, but long sleeve shirts all the time because I've been out mm. a lot of sun exposure over the years, and want to be a little conscious, a little careful of that as well. So, good, good advice there. And the big floppy Australian hats or, or whatever they are, I've got those to try to be just a little bit conscious and careful. Yeah. But nonetheless, if you're careful of the extremes. And midday sun, uh, that sun exposure and the vitamin D that comes from it is is very valuable as well, Dave. They're becoming quite a fashion statement, too, Bob. You can wear that around any time. <laughs> well, I'm a fashion statement. Let there me you go. <laughs> All right. Have a good rest of the week, and we'll catch you back here next Tuesday for another Bob Olin Show. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave, and thanks for all of our callers. And get out there and enjoy just to suck up the beauty in our landscapes and uh, get out there and do a little gardening as well. Take care, Dave. The Bob Olin Show has been brought to you by Dan's Garden Center, located inside Dan's Feed Bin on Hammond Avenue in Superior, and by Matilda's Dog Bakery and Pet Nutrition Center in Lakeside across from the Lake Walk. News, weather, sports, 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL.